Welcome to the True Crime Truckers Podcast. This podcast deals with true crime and subjects such as rape, murder, and sexual assault. This podcast may not be suitable for younger listeners, so listener discretion is advised. True Crime Trucker Podcast. This is episode six and the final episode on the Manson family and the Manson family murders. Thankfully, this episode series is finally coming to an end. I am exhausted from all the writing and research. At the end, I normally do my conclusions during a case. And since this case is so massive, I thought that I'd do something a little different this time and have a little um, conversation about the crimes. And to help me out, I have a special guest this evening, uh, my wonderful and lovely wife. Why don't you say hi to everybody? Hello, everybody. All right. So I sent her a series of questions that I wanted to ask, and so far we have not discussed it. We saved it for now. Um... But before we get started into those questions, um, if you can do me a favor, and if you're listening to this podcast on um, Apple Podcast or Stitcher, SoundCloud, any of those, and you can write and review, if you'd please uh, write me a review and maybe give me five stars if you like the episode. Uh, it does a lot to help the podcast get seen. Uh, the more positive reviews, the more likely when people search for true crime podcasts uh, that this one will come up. So if you could do that for me, it'd be greatly appreciated. And we're going to get started. Uh, there is one question that I did not put on there that I was going to ask you, um, and that is, in your opinion, what do you think makes the Manson family and Charles Manson such an intriguing case to people? Mm. I think maybe it has to do with this idea of complete and total control over a large group of people. You know, I know that usually when there's multiple people involved and 
you know, um, crime or murders or whatever, there's usually very much a dominant person. Mm-hmm. And then someone that is more submissive or maybe not submissive, but they're just, they tend to follow this person that has this dominant personality and and usually has, you know, uh, the the birth of all these ideas. And I, but I think the fact that in this case, there were so many people being controlled Mm -hmm by this like one individual right and so i think cases like that you know really catch people's attention because they can't imagine i mean it's kind of hard to imagine how one person can have that much control right over somebody and over so many people so i think that's that's part of it the idea of a cult mentality. The idea of this cult mentality, right. I mean, we see it with, like, religious cults. We see it with yeah. other cases with where... Jonestown, right. the Branch Davidians. Right. Um, and so I think that this just, you know, one person having mm-hmm. so much power, it seems to be really, you know, kind of in- intriguing to people, mm-hmm. I suppose. So that's I, kind of I think it. Thought. I think it has a lot to do with that, and not only that, but... Um, the victims mm-hmm. because Sharon Tate was such a famous actress. Right. You know, and the, and what happened was, to her was so, and she was married to such a famous director as Roman Polanski. And then you had, you know, right. Yeah. And it, it just, to me, it's kind of like these people who were essentially nobody mm-hmm. really right. to, to the outside world. I right. mean, you know, um, Charlie, you know, was was such a godlike figure to his mm-hmm. group, right? But to everybody else, I mean, it was they they were nobody, mm-hmm. and so the fact that nobody can carry out such a heinous act on somebody that is very much somebody, somebody right. that's very much famous, somebody right. that is very much, you know, um, has money, has prestige, you know, whatever. Just the fact that there's this a massive amount of control and then this this group of just nobodies exactly can make it into this right. situation and and do what they yeah. did. You you have you have you know figures such as like I said Sharon Tate, Roman Polanski. Uh, you know you've got Dennis Wilson and the Beach Boys right. are entwined in this. Right. You have Abigail Folgers who was the heiress to the Folgers coffee fortune. Like right. these were big people, big influential right. people. And like you said, yeah, it's a bunch of nobodies who, you know, they didn't figure out. They had they, they had no clue as to who was responsible for the crimes until. Susan Atkins started running her mouth when she was in prison. Right. For, you know, I think she was in there for, like, writing bad checks or something like that. I think so. It was something mundane. It had nothing to do with, you know, the murders. Right. So, okay, so I sent you a bunch of questions in order to get your opinion on them. And we haven't discussed the questions or anything before this um, podcast. That way, it would just be a natural conversation. And since asking those questions, I kind of 
have an idea of what I think that your answers are going to be uh, in order to make this a more um, of a debate. I am on certain questions going to take sort of a devil's advocate um, side and I just want to let the listeners know that that doesn't mean that I believe or agree with those statements. I'm just saying it in order to have like a, a valid debate and conversation about these questions right. that might not actually be my take on um, on these or my beliefs on them. But if it's like, you know, I ask you a question and you say something and I agree with it, then all I have to add to it is, well, I feel the same. And that's the end of the question. Okay. Okay, so question number one is, do you believe that Manson used the idea of Helter Skelter to convince his followers to kill? I think so. I mean, I think... I think he had them so controlled i think he probably could have used anything to get them to to commit murder um but i mean this this idea of this racial tension and this sort of like apocalyptic you know kind of existence that they he had them convinced was happening at the time i mean i think he used it definitely to his advantage but i don't I don't know that if he would have done anything different, that the outcome would have been different at the same time. Okay. But do you think that besides him just talking about Helter Skelter, because the idea was that, you know, the the civil rights movement and stuff was going to start a race war. Right. That the blacks would win. Right. But the, they wouldn't be able to govern themselves, and right. the family was going to come out of hiding, right. being the only white people left, right. and then they were going to be in control of everything. Do you think that he used that to do these murders, or do you think that that was a convenient way for the prosecution to... Pin the right. murders on, on him. Him. No, I don't. I don't really think so. I think. I think if it was an idea of something that was, you know, I don't know. When you say like convenience, convenience to me seems easy, in mm-hmm. a way. But I mean, he Charlie really used lyrics he used everything that he could to sort of twist and contort and I don't know if it's that he didn't I don't know if it's I think it's something he desperately believed but I mean he used such you know quote unquote like for to him valid um mm-hmm. prophecy of what was going to happen mm-hmm. and so yeah I mean I think they were obviously completely you know isolated they're completely in their own world they're doing their own thing it's this family and it's it's us or nobody and yeah I mean I think he I think he definitely used it to to get them to do whatever because he was their their prophet really I mean he was the one that said what was going to happen and he had this vast knowledge that nobody else had 
And, you know, when these desperate individuals are looking for something to hold on to or to have um, and a place to belong, I mean, I think finding a place to belong will make people do really horrendous things. Right. And I don't think there's any exception to this. But could it also be possible that he was preaching, you know, this apocalyptic revelation type scenario and some of his followers took matters into their own hand without his specific instructions to do such a thing, that they were waiting for this helter-skelter to start, and so they took it into their own hands. And whereas you said, like, you know, it's, it's you know, him using the idea to help them kill and stuff well the prosecution also did a lot of funny things in order to make these crimes stick to certain individuals so maybe i mean if you look at the initial case of of when uh manson and kremwinkle and atkins and all them were were prosecuted they were prosecuted and the prosecution said that uh, robbery wasn't a mitigating factor during it. But then when Van Houten was retried because her lawyer died, they yeah. were using man's, they were, you know, saying that it was, she was going to get convicted of manslaughter. And then the prosecution turned around and said that they took small items. So it constituted as a robbery to get first degree murder charges. Isn't it also possible that maybe they, enacted the scenario of you know they they started helter skelter in order to make it a very convenient tie-in to tie the whole family i mean so i think you you've asked kind of two questions like the first question you ask is don't you know could they have taken matters into their own hands yeah I mean, I think, yeah, maybe, but I don't think on the scale in which it happened, it was just they took it into their own hands. Because, again, to me, these individuals thought of him as, like, a god. Um, And when you have such a devout loyalty to this godlike person, to this prophet, you may do things that you think will please them, but I don't think it would have been anything on as large of a scale as it was. Right. For it to just be like, oh, look, I did this for you. I mean, okay, maybe if they would have killed one individual or, I mean, something, which is not a small thing to do. But, I mean, to go on this spree, to go on this, you know, um, I don't think that that was just on their own. And I think that they were too controlled and too devout to this individual to do anything that would anger you know, their prophet, their, their leader. Um, so no, I don't, I don't think it was really necessarily on their own. And then you asked, um, right. Do I think that like the prosecution just used whatever was used whatever that they could. Yeah. I mean, probably, but I think that it probably happens a lot in a lot of different cases. Um, especially when something I think is such a high profile case, And something was seen as so horrendous and heinous and awful. And um, it was clearly in the public eye. I mean, I think these, you know, I think lawyers and I think that um, 
they they the the public looks to you know the judicial system to bring what is right mm-hmm. and so finding someone to blame um and doing everything within their power to show that this is now over this horrendous thing that's happened is is now done because these people have been brought to justice you know i think justice has such a control over everything anyway and so with such a high profile case yeah they probably did what they could um and if that meant stretching it to keep these individuals locked away Mm -hmm. um then yeah i mean i think they probably they probably did it basically did whatever they could to keep Get a conviction. To get a conviction, yeah. In order to make the public at large feel safe. Right. Yeah. To feel like justice had been served. Exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm trying to look at the other questions, too. All right. Next question is, do you think that Manson ordered the murder of Gary Hinman? I mean, I don't know if he would have necessarily had to have individually said go murder Gary Hinman. I don't I don't think that he I don't know. I could see it being sort of a scenario where he's saying like, oh, if these things happen, then this would Well not so much that like he told Bobby Beausoleil to go to Gary Hinman and murder him. Right. But after the fact of because the Bosley held Gary Hinman for a couple days. Right. And then, you know, basically the story was that Manson ordered Bosley to deal with him, to murder him. Yeah, that's right. Do you think that he ordered the murder of Gary Hinman? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I could see. I mean, I would think so. I could see so. Um, I mean, after you've held somebody for days, I mean, was there really any turning back to any other conclusion with this type of thing? Well, Gary... You can't just be like, can we just forget that this ever happened? Well, Bobby Beausoleil had stated that Manson never ordered him to kill Gary Hinman. It was Susan Adkins that said right. that Manson specifically said that you needed to kill right. Gary Hinman. She also said that they were trying to get something like $20,000 off of him. Right. Whereas Bobby Beausoleil said that he went to get his money back for bad drugs that were sold to him by right. Gary Hinman. But I mean, you know, I think that's somewhat of a sacrificial thing to do for someone that is, you know, again, seen as like your, your prophet your leader and so you know i'm nobody but here's this you know my leader is this person that's going to be you know like you had said like the leader of the last white people standing i mean after this race war is over um so i mean to me it's kind of like who am i to say i'll sacrifice myself to continue you know allowing this prophet to to do you know what they're supposed to do. I mean, and I think that that's something that you see when you look at other sort of occult like behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at Warren Jeffs, I mean, how many people have been just lie flat out, just lie to try to keep their leader, 
he's, I mean, he's in prison for the rest of his life. But, I mean, for years there have been people lying about what he's been doing because he's a prophet. Right. Right? It's, it's this occult behavior. And so, I mean, I could see it being something that he felt like he needed to do to allow what he believed was at this point going to happen to continue happening because if it wasn't for Manson and it wasn't for the family, then what would be remaining? Well, even to this day, Bobby Beausoleil says that Manson didn't order him to murder Gary Hammond. Mm. And Bobby Beausoleil has been, has distanced himself from the Manson family and Charles Manson for over 30, 40 years now at this point. And he still says Manson never ordered him to kill Gary Hinman. That he went there to collect money right. and Gary Hinman refused and right. he held him and that he called Manson and had him come over and try to help him intimidate Gary Hinman into giving him the money. But he said that Manson never ordered him. Where they got that from was from Susan Adkins. Right. I mean, you know, I, I don't know, really. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. But I think, you know, it could be a couple things. Number one, what's the point? Because isn't he, he's never going to get out of prison, right? Supposedly? Yeah. I mean, he's been up for parole a bunch of different times. Right, and I mean... I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'd look at it as like... I mean, he's he is eligible for parole. They all have been. Right. They all have been multiple times, and then it's never mm-hmm. granted. So... We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it could be a couple of things. I could, it could be, number one, maybe he is the one that's telling the truth, and Susan Adkins was the one that was not telling the truth. Or it could mm-hmm. be, what's the point at this point? It's not like it's going to... Right. change anything because mm-hmm. I mean he still did what he did he's still involved with this family and involved with, with Manson and um, I mean arguably I feel like one of the highest profile you know occult cases or any case, any kind of case mm-hmm. in, in history in right. American history so maybe it's just like what's the point and if he's trying to go for parole, if he's switching up his story at any point during this entire time, well, what else could you be lying about, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, because you're right. They've all come up for parole. They've all tried to get parole. They've all been denied. Mm-hmm. And maybe it, it just he just sees it as what's the point. Well, when you talk about switching up stories and going from one way to another, you know, whether or not that's convenient for you in order to try to get parole and things like that. Just keep in mind, the only person that's never changed their story about what happened was Charles Manson. Yeah. Every other one of them over the past 50 years has changed their stories about mm-hmm. what happened, what took place. Right. And Bobby Bosley is the only other one whose story... Very little change. changes. There were a couple minor things here and there. Right. But Tex Watson, Linda Kasabian, Van Houten, Susan Atkins, all Kremwinkle, all of their stories have right. changed dramatically. And Charles Manson's is the only one that stayed the exact same. Right. As to what happened. 
don't know. I mean... Okay, so that, that brings me to the next question, which is, do you think that Manson deserved a life sentence for the murder of Gary Hinman? Now, he was convicted for the murder of right. Gary Hinman and, and was convicted of life after he was convicted of the Tate and LaBianca murders. Uh, I mean... Yes. Okay, but he wasn't present during the murder. No, I mean, he wasn't. He left, and Bobby Bosley is the one one that did it. That did it. But, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's something to be said about someone in the position. You know, I mean, okay, assuming that he never outright told him to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but telling him to fix the problem or, you know, take care of this or you know, whatever, and, and having such an, an elaborate narrative with these individuals, you know, like Bobby Bolsley or whoever, and he has this amount of control over them. I mean, I think there's something to be said for that. You know, you are an individual who's in an extreme power position. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've used it and utilized it for harm. I don't necessarily think that makes you innocent. I mean, but technically you are innocent. Well. (laughs) Technically you didn't do it, but. (laughs) To tell somebody to handle a situation or deal with it. And telling them to murder. And telling them specifically to murder a person are two totally different things. I know. That's up to the other person's interpretation as to what he meant. He didn't specifically tell tell Bobby Bosley, I want you to kill Gary Hammond. But I don't think he had to. I don't think he had to. So you think intent is everything? I think it accounts for a lot. Especially, you know, maybe if it would have been an isolated incident or something, I think maybe it would have been entirely different. Okay, but it was the first murder. It was the first murder, but it wasn't found out in isolation. Mm-hmm. If that, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, you know, oh, we're going to, this, like, this happened with Gary Hinman, and then, you know, Bolsillet and he were on trial for it, and then, you know, and, and nothing else it's also situational, then nothing else was happening, you know? And it's like, well, I mean, Manson seems to be a stand-up. Maybe he's a weird dude, but he hasn't really done anything. Whatever. You know, that, that to me is one situation in itself. But mm-hmm. knowing all of the other things that was, that was done, you know, I mean, I think it, it, it does affect the outcome of it. But don't you think that that would prejudice a jury? I think it's entirely prejudiced, but come on. I mean, I don't even know if that's even a real thing. That there's no way that someone would not be prejudiced. Yeah, but in in the grand scheme of things, had he been tried for the Hinman case before he was convicted of the Tate LaBianca case, 
do you think that he would have gotten life in prison? No. So they used the previous conviction to turn around and convict him of this murder. Well, but I mean, don't they, they do that anyway. I mean, when you go, when someone goes on trial for something, they don't just look at that one individual day of that person's life. No. They don't they just don't. look at that one day of, of what happened. You know, I mean, they look at everything leading up to it. And so, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, if it was an isolated murder, an isolated case or whatever then I think it would have been something entirely different. But his, this background, this web that had been woven, I mean, I think that that's, that absolutely made all the difference, you know? And I think it's, okay, one thing to say, well, a jury's prejudiced or not prejudiced or whatever, but every case looks at the individual's background, right? right? Like, I mean, even on the smallest things, like, okay, you're you're pulled over for a DUI. Well, the fact that you've never received a DUI or a speeding ticket in your entire life means a totally different outcome than if you've had five other DUIs, right? So, you know, is that prejudice? No, it's it's showing a, it's showing a pattern. Everything, they want to show a pattern. And so I think it, it was shown, and that's why he received life. But if it would have been isolated, I don't think he would have. Yeah, they could be showing a pattern, but the reason that there is a pattern is because they made the Tate LaBianca murders to look like it was the same person that had murdered Gary Hinman in order to get Bobby Beausoleil out of jail because Bobby Beausoleil had murdered Gary Hinman. So they turned around and a couple days later... Right. Committed, committed more murders, murders to that look to... very similar to try to link them right. to get him out of prison. Right. So, if you're looking at a pattern, the pattern doesn't start until the Tate murders a couple days later. So, oh, true. he may have ordered those ones, but what if he ordered those ones to get his friend out of jail who had committed a murder all on his own? Uh yeah. You're trying to show a pattern. But the pattern, yeah. But the pattern, there isn't a pattern when the first yeah. murder happens. That's true. It's the first murder. That's true. So there is no pattern yet. Yeah. You're using later murders to establish the first one, and you're taking convictions of a previous murder to try to, to justify try to, a right. conviction of the first murder. Right. And you have the person that perpetrated the murder saying... Charlie never told me to kill Gary Hinman. Yeah. And they gave him a life sentence for a murder that the murderer says was never ordered by him. And they used the convictions from the Tate LaBianca murders in order to set a pattern that, well, Manson told them to murder these people, so obviously he told Beausoleil to murder. Well, but, I mean, is that really applicable, though? Because, I mean... So you find out about a second murder, but then you uncover later a first murder, and you can't use that second murder to leverage a guilty verdict over the other murder? You know what I mean? Like, well, at that time, he hadn't done anything. He you know, never murdered anyone. But then they did, and you know, he did anyway. I mean, do you understand, you understand what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> you're like, no. No, I, I get, get what, what you're saying. saying. You know, just because you yes. didn't find out about it, or just because it wasn't Well, all... they, they do that with serial killers. Right. They can go back and exactly. find Exactly, so that's what I'm saying. Them. Okay, someone's caught on the, the eighth murder. Mm-hmm. They mess up, right? Eventually, they mess up, and they mess up, and then they find them, and, you know, whatever... And then they start piecing it back. Does that mean that the first murder is just null and void? Well, there was no pattern. You know, we can't. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it really. I don't think it really changes anything. At least, as with my opinion, I still think that if it would have been one incident by itself, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I said, not diminishing what was happening, but if it would have been one incident. I don't think he would have gotten life, but I think considering everything that they then found out, I mean, that was kind of, you know, like the start point. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to just say, well, I mean, he had this massive amount of control over these people, you know, but he didn't have control over this one. Well, like, I just think it, it doesn't seem mm-hmm. to me. Well, that leads into the next question, yeah. which was, do you believe that Manson ordered the Tate and LaBianca murders? Now, I could see him actually ordering that one. Okay. Um, because didn't he look at Bob? I mean, Bobby Bolsley was like, wasn't he kind of was like his right hand dude? Like, wasn't he really no, important? Tex Watson was. Oh, that's right. That's right. It was Tex Watson. Tex Watson. I was. mean, I could see it. I could see him ordering that because I mean, because also, don't these prophets, you know, when they feel like something may be messing with what they're preaching, what their vision is. It's funny that you should bring that part up. Go ahead, finish your thought. No, I'm just saying, like, don't you think that that's, you know, that's kind of like a way to, like, get it back on track, right? Mm -hmm. Like, when when they lose, when they can lose control over something, Mm -hmm. if he would have done it all on his own, and then he's like, oh, shit, this is not, this is not what I wanted. This is not what was supposed to happen. So I've got to try to figure out a way to bring the control back to myself. Can you stop looking at me like that? No, you're just you're just playing him right into what I want to want to ask you. Of course I am. No, that's that's so it's that's, perfect that you're saying it that way. That's my opinion. Is that mm-hmm. you know I think um, I could see that as a way to try to regain control because mm-hmm. when these when these people in this this power role when they lose power, um, that's when things start right getting messy. Mm-hmm. That's when things start getting. Uh, emotional. That's when things start, like shit really starts going down when they've started to lose control. Yeah. So that's, you're looking at me like that. Well, because you know exactly how I'm going to answer all these questions. Because the prevailing second theory about what really happened with the Tate LaBianca murders is that it was Tex Watson and Susan Atkins' idea. Oh, that Beausoleil was in jail. Mm. And they decided to come up with copycat killings in order to make it look like the killer that killed Gary Hinman was still on the loose. Right. And so they were going to try to get him out of jail. And in order to keep control of the family that Charlie went along with it because if he didn't, it was going to fracture the group. 
if they're saying, let's start these things and make it look like Helter Skelter because you've been preaching all of this stuff and we can use it to get Beausoleil out of jail, that he looked at it and said, if I don't follow along with this, they're going to know that I'm a sham and that I don't really mean all these things that I'm saying and I'm going to lose all of these followers. I'm going to lose all of these women that I'm able to have sex with any time that I want to get anything that I want them to do. And so he went along with it in order to keep control, but that it was never his idea that it was Tex and Susan that came to him and said, this is what we want to do. This is, if we, if we commit murders that look exactly like the murder of Gary Hinman, we can get Beausoleil, our brother, out of jail because it'll look like they got the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, yeah. Shit, what was the original question? Did he deserve... I'm going back to it real quick. Did he order the... Did he order it? I don't know. I, I just, I think for this, I don't know. I keep going back to, for, to have this many people under your control. I really, but then at the same time, I mean, there's so many people, right? That someone mm-hmm. is bound to try to take more of a active, you know, right. um, role. So, I mean, I mean, I think it's entirely likely, um, it could have happened. I just don't know if I think that's really what happened i think that's a really interesting theory of what could have happened Mm -hmm. but i don't know if i think that that's actually what and again that's 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 manson's story which has never changed over the years Mm, yeah was that they came to him saying they were going to do this and he just went along with it um and told them to do whatever they were going to do I mean, I don't know. I just just because his story never changed doesn't mean, you know, he's mm-hmm. just the stand-up guy that just right. was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Never said that he was a stand-up guy. I know. I'm just saying. And he's like, obviously not a stand-up guy. He's obviously not a stand-up I mean, guy. He was. He was a con before he was. But isn't that a thing with cons? Like, I mean, they. You have to stay in character. Yeah. Right? I guess. And any inconsistencies that you exhibit, I mean... Exactly. That's the downfall. Right. Exactly. So what I'm saying is just because he's been... His story has never changed doesn't mean that he's any less of... I mean, I don't know. I just... I don't, I don't know if it really changes what I myself think about what... But isn't that the way that we mark when somebody's being truthful about something? When you've got people that are interrogated by the police and their story changes and changes and changes, you mm-hmm. say that they're not being factual. But when they have somebody and they they question them over and over and over again, and the story never changes, isn't that what most people say? Well, then they're telling the truth because they've never wavered on what their story is. I mean, yeah, we do use that as a gauge mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but I don't know. I just, you were too pleased with yourself over there. You're just like, again, she's, 
She's answering all these questions exactly like I knew uh, she would. Again, just playing devil's advocate. I know. Advocate. You're it just too mean, pleased about the fact it that... It doesn't mean that this is what I believe. I know. Um, no, I mean, you're right. That, that is used as a gauge, but I also think there's something to be said about, you know, somebody's personality and, and mm-hmm. um, you know, whether truth is actually truth. Right. That was deep. That was probably like the deepest thing I've ever said. Whether or not truth is actually truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope that's not the deepest Shut thing up. you've ever said. <laughs> okay. Do you think that Manson deserved a life sentence for the Tate and LaBianca murders? I mean, I feel like I said I mean at the beginning of every single answer. It's okay. Um... The last time that we uh, did a podcast together and I was editing it, I couldn't believe how many times I said, and things like that. You did say that a lot. I I noticed that. Um, See, now I feel like my answers are like kind of changing, like kind of as we're talking, because I'm thinking about it in a different way. Again, keep in mind, he did not kill any of them. He didn't stab any of them. He didn't wound any of them. He was only ever present for the LaBianca murders. He went in and helped tie up them. So if anything, it would be a kidnapping charge. But he left as soon as they had them tied up. He was never physically present for any of the murders. But, I mean, I don't think it, it matters if you did it or not, right? I mean, isn't that a precedent that's been set? I mean, that you knew something was going to happen, you did nothing to report it and or stop it, so you're just as responsible. An accessory after the fact? Yeah. Or I guess an accessory because beforehand. Right. Well, you know, maybe maybe for the LaBianca murders. But not, you're saying not for him then? But not for the Tate murders. Oh, he didn't even that's, go that's to. True, yeah. He didn't go to Cielo Drive. Yeah, but I mean, it was probably tied in that he knew about it anyway, which is, I think, what was actually okay. what, was, what was said. But I mean, I, I think that was probably where it, where it ended up as is that you know, you again, know. there's this person in a position of you know power mm. of these people, and they've done this, and he was there for that, so. How can he... I mean, what likelihood is it that he knew nothing? Well, you're saying he probably knew. Do you think that maybe there were other family members that probably knew what was going to happen? Oh, for sure. And that weren't convicted? Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, it was just... But, again, I mean, that to me could be also some sort of, you know, preservation. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, because, but, I mean, if everybody in this cult just goes away for murder or for knowing about murders or for committing murders, mm-hmm. which I know we'll come back to that later, but if everyone's locked up, what what's what's how's the prophecy going to go forward? Right. So yeah. to me, that could also be a self-preservation uh, is, you know, keep it with these group of people and then the hope that even if we go down, then this is still going to carry on in some way, you know, and. Well, they didn't think they were going to go down. No. 
they thought that the LAPD <clears throat> was going to see it as it was the Black Panthers right. were doing it and that it was going to start. No, but I'm saying once that is where it started going, once it started circling in. So, yeah, no, I, I absolutely think other people knew about it. Um, but, I mean, what, everyone's just going to snitch everybody in the family out? You know, well, then they ended up doing that. I mean, just about if you if you look at if you want to believe what people said later on down the line. But if you're going by, you know, Manson probably knew what was going to happen when they wouldn't there be a chance that he probably didn't because you're going off probably to convict somebody of. Do you want to repeat that? Okay, so you said that Manson probably knew what was going to happen when they went to Cielo Drive. Right. But there's a chance that he didn't right. know. So isn't that enough to be probable, reasonable doubt, not probable cause? Right. I mean, Wouldn't I, that be enough for reasonable doubt? I mean, yeah, I think so. Because you're basing a conviction off of probably I think so, but again, this is not anything that's in isolation. So it's just trying to tie, I think, you know, coming from a perspective of, you know, trying to get this conviction mm-hmm. um, or any conviction, you know, like again, it's not an isolated incident. This is not just one thing that happened all by itself. These are a series of things. This is a whole narrative surrounding his power I just keep going back to that but like he's the leader of this group and he's not just like someone that's just like yeah I mean I'll you know I'll organize meetups and we'll get together and chat I mean this was deep and so yeah probably can go either way for sure but considering his uh, pull of of what happened Mm -hmm. In every other facet, why would this be any different? Okay. Because, like, I mean, he would tell people, you need to go and you go and have sex with her, or you go and have sex with him, or you do this. And Absolutely. I mean, they, they, yeah. they did it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why is it like, oh, well, I mean, I control everything else, but, you know, this one thing I didn't know. So I think it's, it's again, looking at, everything and not just one individual act. Mm-hmm. Okay.
So do you think any of the family members have been rehabilitated? (sighs) I mean, I think so. I think at this point, you know, what is Patricia Klenwinkel going to do right now? I mean, you know, they were all young. They were all in some drug-induced stupor half the time. You know, living in the age they were living in and, and having this person getting them and belong and, and finding a place of belonging. And so, yeah, I mean, I absolutely believe in, in redemption. I believe in rehabilitation. And I think that, yeah, for sure, they could be. I mean, whether they are or not, you know, I, I don't know that much. The majority of them have found God in prison. Well, I mean. It's funny how that happens Well, there's not much else to do in prison. You know, so could get swole. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I guess. Um, Time to get in great shape. We're <laughs> really, really fat. <laughs> I'd like, be the one to get really fat. I'd be the one to get really fat. I wouldn't have to get really fat <laughs> in prison. <laughs> You'd be what everyone goes to for the honey buns. <laughs> I love honey buns. <laughs> um, I mean, I I think so. You know, and. Even with me and answering these questions, I'm not looking at it, you know, in this lens of only looking at these individuals in this case. But, Mm. you know, I I keep thinking about, like, this was a place for them to belong. And that is such an intoxicating thing for Mm. people that have no place to go. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's this. I mean, totally off of off track. But, you know, looking at what happens with, uh, you know, ISIS and like all these other entities these large sort of occult like groups i mean it's mainly framed around it's us against the world Mm -hmm. right there's no place else for you to belong and you've belonged nowhere but now you belong here with us Mm -hmm. and that's intoxicating and so and it's controlling i mean clearly you know look at all of the other incidences of something that's similar to this so, I mean, I think they absolutely could be rehabilitated because, number one, they found something else that they belong in. I mean, unfortunately, they found it in prison, but, I mean, they've found something that they belong in. They've they've found um, a system in which they're working in, they're living in, they're older, they're removed from the situation, they're not drugged up, they're not... All of them have pretty much had completely clean... Right. Records while in being prison. in prison. Right. They've been model prisoners. Right. So, I mean, sure. I, I think they can absolutely be rehabilitated. Okay. Well, with that being said, do you believe that any of the family members should ever be paroled? Yeah. I think so. They've all been... A, well, no. not all of them, but um, uh, Kremwinkel, I believe, has been... Um, Approved for parole and I, then denied. Van Houten, okay. up until up to just recently, has been approved and then denied. But I think she was denied again. She was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think so. I think at some point, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think at some point you've done your you've done your service to society in a way, and I mean. And again, not only looking at it in an isolated manner, but looking at the fact that they've had clean records, 
looking at what they've done. And, I mean, also, I guess, looking at their age and now. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. They keep saying when they deny them for parole that they're still considered a danger to society. Right. And they're in their late 60s to early 70s. How, yeah. mu- how much of a danger is Leslie Van Houten? Is a 70-year-old person right. to society? I mean, I think if you would have let Charlie Manson out at 70, he'd be a danger to society in some way, shape, or form. Not in the same way that he was, but who's to say... Just for his influence is what you're just saying. Just for his influence. Okay, I was going to say, if you're saying that a 70-year-old man who's five foot two yeah, no, and weighs tiny. like... um. You know, a hundred pounds or whatever. Well, that was in the seventies. If you've seen him later in life, he got a little pudgy. Mm-hmm. He didn't weigh a hundred pounds anymore. But still, how <laughs> how much could no? He it's, have because of, five it's because it's because of his influence. Yeah, um, I don't absolutely. Think, I don't think any of them had any influence on anything. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, yeah, I think I think they could have. I think they could be. I think they could be paroled. Okay. If they've been rehabilitated, mm-hmm. if they've changed their ways, which, you know, it does appear like they have. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Then. But again, what are you going to do we'll, in prison? We'll, we'll go down the line. Okay, do you think Bobby Beausoleil should be parole? He's only ever committed one murder. Right, I mean... He's been in prison for over 50 years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Never been... Do you think Tex Watson, ordained minister, got his college degree, hasn't had any problems? See, I was thinking there was like something weird about him even now, but... He's murdered, I mean, six people, seven people? Yeah. I mean, it's just such a tough call, you know? It's such a tough call. I mean, I guess. I don't know. It's I don't know. It's that's really it's really a hard question. It's really a hard thing to think about. Well, we don't have to but, worry about Susan Atkins because she dead. died because she died. Um, she had cancer for years, right? Like she was she very. Had a, she had a brain tumor. It was a brain tumor. It was a brain tumor. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, she died in like two thousand and eight. Yeah, I think I remember when she died. Um. It's just really she was the first one. Out of the yeah, I mean, it just really is difficult to say because, mm-hmm. in one way, you know, you're saying, "Oh my God, this person murdered yeah. or had." Well, and he was at both. Yeah, but it's he like he was at the Tata and the lobby. Right, but it's saying seat. like this one person had knowledge or or mm-hmm. had something to do with or committed or whatever. I mean, all of these heinous, heinous acts. Right. You know, but at the same time, looking at a really critical criminal justice system and all these other things that you're definitely not asking me about on your podcast. Um, we don't have all night. <laughs> I know. You know, I mean, how rehabilitatory is it? And, I mean, there's just all these things. So it's really a difficult question to ask. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I would guess so because, I don't know, but there's also something to be said about the ability to be controlled. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something to be said about the ability to control people. But there's also something to be said about the ability to be controlled. And so if these individuals still have that ability to be controlled, you know, who is to say they don't fall prey to another, mm-hmm. you know, 
person with those same traits as Charlie. So, I don't know. You're going to make me answer one way or another, aren't you? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Then Patricia Kremlinkle. What, three murders? Um, one. She, one, that she, one that she herself committed. Yeah, she was she there, was there for, for the, the tape murders. Tape Bianca. Was and she there for tape in Bianca? She wasn't at the LaBianca murder. Oh, she was just No, she murders. was just at the tape murder. I mean, I think so. She, was, she stabbed Abigail Folgers. Yeah. I mean, I... I think so. I really, I, I do. I think so. But, yeah, now that I've kind of thought of that, like, oh, the ability to be controlled, too, can also make you, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. But it would wouldn't you think that, though, if, like, if there was going to be any other, I mean, what's the, what's the likelihood of someone running into someone that would be able to control them like that again? And if they were... To do that, wouldn't it be more likely to happen in prison? Don't you think that once you've been controlled like that and stuff, it might make you a little bit wiser on how not to... Yeah. Run, you know? Yeah. Have the same cycle happen again? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and finally, Leslie Van Houten. I mean, I, I lump her in with... She was only at the LaBianca mm-hmm. murder. I mean, I... She stabbed Rosemary LaBianca. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and it's believed that she stabbed her post-mortem. So she was already dead. But Tex told, gave her a knife and told her to do something because Charlie, from what he said, said make sure that everybody participates. Right. That everybody does something. So she stabbed her after she was already dead. But she's not the one that stabbed her. She's not the one that murdered her. No. She just stabbed her after she was dead? Yeah. yeah. Tex Watson murdered yeah, her. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then, that leads into, do you believe that the family members are political prisoners? Mm. I thought you said we didn't have all night. Hmm? I thought you said we didn't have all night. <laughs> um... I mean, I think so probably in some way, because again, it was just this horrendous, awful nationwide, worldwide thing that happened. And, um, yeah, the story, the the trial, right. And, and, you know, the world knew. And so it's more of a premise of, well, they just did something so awful and horrendous on such a massive scale, right? It was known, it was so known. Um, And yeah, I don't think they'll ever be let out simply because of that. But I think if it was looked at in just a smaller case of, okay, there was a a murder at a household Mm -hmm. where a man and a woman were killed and somebody was there and she stabbed them post-mortem, she would be out of jail at this point. She would have been long out of jail at this point, if convicted at all. I think that it, like any other high-profile case, murder case you don't want to be the governor that allows them out that releases them yeah no you're you're committing political suicide at that point yeah so if the governor if the governor of california (laughs) California. lets any of them out out. yeah yeah 
he probably won't be reelected. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and probably disgraced in some other way, in ways as well. Is not only just like, even if it was a governor that's like, you know what, I'm not running again. I don't want to be in the political sphere anymore. Like, you're still gonna be that guy. Gonna be that guy. Yeah. And yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think they'll ever get let out. But if it was in isolated cases. Mm-hmm. With the same acts being done, I think they would have probably, with the exception of Tex Watson and Charlie, obviously, I think they would have all been out a long time ago. But they never will be. That's my opinion. Okay. And finally, do you think that there are more murder victims of the Manson family? I don't know if I don't know if I would think there would be murder victims per se. In the same sense. All right. Well, like, let me give you an example. So Leslie Van Houten's attorney. Yeah. Who disappeared. And then on the day of their convictions, his body was found. Yeah, I forgot about that. And they said it could have been an accidental drowning during a flood. Yeah, no, I totally about that. There's other family members that had said he was the first of some murders because he refused to let Van Houten testify and take the blame and absolve Manson. From Right. Um, I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I forgot about that, but yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he didn't just... <laughs> he just drowned. Well, he went camping. Mm-hmm. And there was flooding during the camping trip. Right. So, and then I mean, he went missing. I mean, so you know. So it's possible that he got caught in a flash flood. Well, for sure. Stranger, Especially in California. Right. Because well, you know, stranger things have happened. But also, like, why the hell would you go camping? Like, seriously, what the fuck? Like, why would you do that at that point? Like, I'm a lawyer. Maybe he was an outdoorsy guy. Right. But, like. And it's Southern California. I'm sure it's awesome But you're for a Manson family member. Why are you going to go camping? I just think that's stupid. You're going to go willingly by yourself to an isolated place well i mean there's never been any when um, you're the lawyer for someone in the manson family there's never been any any doubt that he went on a camping trip i'm not saying that's never been i'm not saying that i'm saying i'm sure he did what my question is what kind of self-preservation do you have to do that in the middle of what you're currently probably didn't think that what so like you're going crazy on, badass family would like send i don't know somebody to murder him would send somebody to an isolated campsite in southern california to murder you like that just sounds dumb i mean you gotta remember though it was 1969 1970 at that time like and your point i mean that wasn't really a thing back then really but the manson's made of the thing I what mean, are you talking it, about unless you're like you know a member of organized crime and then you know that kind of stuff happens but just everyday people getting but he's not an everyday person yeah he and was we... a lawyer for leslie yes and and we know that now on in hindsight but back then like to I cult, think if the only person murder cults did not that was not a thing back then. No, it then. wasn't, but if there was anyone that was thinking about it being a thing, it would be a lawyer for someone who was on trial for being a part of a murderous mm-hmm. cult. 
So um, you think that there might be other murders out there? Oh, yeah, for sure. He got murdered by the Mansons. But, I mean, I think there would probably be, um, I could see there would probably be a lot of, um, I wouldn't be surprised. Because a lot of these kids, right, they were like runaways, they were hippies, they were mm-hmm. just, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so some maybe not missed by people, right? Mm-hmm. And so with this massive amount of drug use that they were doing all the time, I mean, I could see there probably being... Um, maybe people had overdosed or things like that, and maybe they just dumped their bodies. Okay. Do you think that they were ordered by Manson? These other murders? Just a follow-up Like, Like, assuming that lawyer dude was murdered by the Manson family, that mm-hmm. do I think that Charlie ordered that? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That would probably be the least likely one that I could see him ordering. Just because I feel like once that infrastructure and once that power starts to dissolve, I think that's when people really lose it and they start going rogue and doing their own thing and just trying to salvage whatever they can to, like, clear, you know, like, to try to save their leader. So I think maybe that's, like, the least one that I could see him doing. It's funny. That's the one I can see the most. That he, Really? Yeah. Did I surprise you with my answer yeah, on that? Yeah. I mean... That one, yeah, kind of, yeah. a little bit. I just feel that like one I can see the most because you're on trial. Because I feel and like at this he point, isn't gonna let somebody else take the fall for you to get you out of the bind that you're in. So if you off him, then she's probably gonna get another counsel, and you might have the opportunity of her testifying mm. and saying. I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see it because I feel like... Agree to disagree. I feel like, you know, at this point, it it was already so irretrievably broken that um, his main concern was just saving himself. And so he was going to say, hey, I didn't know about any of this. You know, like, I don't even know this guy. I don't even know these people. I don't even know why they did all of these things that they did to these people that I don't even know anything about. Like, I think at that point he was just, he knew he was the only one that he could solely rely on to try to save his own ass. And, um, you know, ultimately that didn't work, but all of the people that I think he probably held in some sort of prestige were all in jail, right? He was probably not he was probably smart enough to realize they're all going down and I'm the only one that can really save me because again, now they're on their own. They're not there for me to guide and control. So I'm the only one that can save me, but I could see sort of these other people that are not imprisoned or whatever. Um, that's when these different people start trying to have power and start trying to, control things and get their leader out. Um, so, no, I think that's the least likely murder that I could see him ordering. Because I think he knew there was no one else that was going to be able to really save him outside of himself. Mm. Yeah. Okay. See? I waited till right at the end to, like, surprise you with my answer. Yeah, that one was surprising. <laughs> And again, like I said, the other ones, yeah, I pretty much knew apparently like, how your answers were going to be. Apparently you did. So, well, because the majority of them are the same way that I would feel about it. So that's the way that the majority of people feel about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm on the fence as to whether or not 
he actually ordered anybody to kill. Um, but I definitely think that that was ultimately his intention. Mm-hmm. And that he just said it without directly saying it. Right. Like when he told mm-hmm. Bobby Wilson, like, take care of it. Well, that one I'm not quite sure as to whether or not he actually... But the Tate and the LaBianca murders and stuff, definitely. Yeah. So. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any questions that I wanted to ask you. That's what I should have done, is, like, thought of some questions to ask you. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there... What... Have you heard, like, a lot of conspiracy theories about the family, or... Not really. Anything like that, or is it just kind of is what it is? Yeah. I mean, there's always the, you know, that there was other murders, but um, none of them really panned out. I think it's just a simple... I think that it is a simple case of he wanted to be a rock star. He failed miserably at it. and he did. In order to keep control of his followers, he did what every other cult leader does, which is isolate people. Exactly. Don't let them have contact with the outside world. Mm-hmm. And then start doing apocalyptic. Okay. And that he used these... apocalyptic these, prophecies. Yes, and he used these murders specifically to try to get back at... Um, people that had denied him yeah his dream. because he had been to cielo drive mm-hmm. like that was where the carrie melcher yeah carrie melcher who was the producer for mm-hmm. the beach boys and stuff mm-hmm. had lived but he rented the place right and so he sent them and that's what um the prosecution said and th- this is where it gets a little bit hazy is that he sent them, according to the prosecution, to murder Gary Melcher and anybody mm. else in the house. Yeah. But Manson had stopped at Cielo Drive a couple weeks before the murder and had talked to the owner of the house who had told him that Gary Melcher had moved out. And he actually saw Sharon Tate there. Right. And so he knew Gary Melcher didn't live there anymore. So, like, like it, you know, goes back to earlier with the, you know, the prosecution using anything that they can to get the convictions, whether or not it's actually, you know, factual, factual. or rele- relevant. Right. But anyway, thank you for helping me out with this podcast episode. Yeah. I am so glad to be done with the Manson family. Yeah. 50 years since the murder this summer. And I wanted to do this one, but I knew it was going to be an epic, epic podcast. And it's the longest series that I've done so far. And uh, I'm glad that I could send it out on an episode like this where it's just a conversation back and forth about how we feel about it because it's such a massive case and it's so well known right and there's so many moving parts to it right so thank you again yeah you're welcome glad to uh glad to be back on the podcast Mm -hmm. well we'll probably have you on for a couple more 
So okay, cool. you still got to write that uh, Jack the Ripper one that you were talking about. Yeah, well, yeah, that would be really cool. Well, maybe we'll get to it eventually. So yeah. Alrighty, well that does it for this episode. I'm gonna try to do this right off the top of my head. You can contact me at truecrimetruckerpodcast at gmail.com or you can join the Facebook group at True Crime Trucker Podcast group. You can also visit my website at ageofradio.org slash podcast slash. Uh, there you can look at um, purchase from our advertisers you can also find other podcasts that are on our network uh, you can donate to my patreon at patreon.com slash true crime truckers podcast and if you donate at least a dollar I will send you a true crime trucker podcast vinyl sticker you can also join the Facebook group for the Age of Radio Network at Addicted to Podcasting, which just recently I was made a moderator of that Facebook group. And I think that's it. I think that's all. Pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty sure. I will return in two weeks with another case to present. Now that I'm done with this one. Do you want to give any kind of teasers to the one coming up? Are you just going to not for... No. (laughs) Happy Halloween. (laughs) And stay safe.